0: Mind, Crime, Liberty Show, with me, Smith Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, can
1: we escape
0: liberalism? Tim.
1: A key problem over this whole episode, before we get started here, is definition, terms, and the usage of meaning word. It's a common problem here. So, you know, what is our exact society here? I'd say liberalism is a good enough word to use it in a Wittgenstein form of definition theory. You'd also call it crony capitalism. You'd also call it social democracy. You'd also call it um, neoliberalism. Neoliberalism probably might be the most technical term, although it's not entirely clear. Like does – if Hayek is the rep- representative, Milton Friedman representatives of neoliberalism, do we live in that era? I don't know. I mean I, I do think in some ways we have capitalist institution. I do think we have democratic institutions here. Uh, so so my answer to the question is, is can this be escaped here is no. Outside of anarchism. Or a kind of parody or farce version of anti liberalism, whether to the left or whether to the right. Liberalism may be escaped by going full anarchist again, as Keith DePresson defends in his great long essay. But the version of classical liberalism defended by someone like Sean Gabb at the PFS and, other place, and Mises Institute, he's given this defense out elsewhere, I think is basically unassailable here. Uh, 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 if there is a state, the only legitimate states out there, are ones which have a liberal character. When people criticize like the US government or the Russian government, the historical Russian, like the Tsar, the, the, the USSR, they're gonna they're going criticize it on liberal grounds. You know, when US goes after Julian Assange or bombs a place, you say this is a liberal thing to do. Um and and the defenders of it, like the neocons and neoliberals who defend American bombing, like Christopher Hitchens or or people who defend it, they would say, well, there's some greater good. And that greater good tends to be liberal. And this USSR will do the same thing, you know, and you'll get people like Doug Lane, who more or less say that, you know, long term, the U.S. was probably more liberal. than. Whole, you know, although the tankies would disagree with some of the more liberal Marxists on this grounds here. Uh, but they defend it almost all on liberal ground. They say, no, actually, the U.S., I, you know, I see people on the right say, complain about U.S. imprisoning Julius Sands. They're not saying, no, we actually should go after all journalists. No, they're not saying that. That would be like the anti-liberal thing to do here. Um, um, and that's one of the things that Keith Preston brought up in a great roundtable with Sean Gabb, Todd Lewis, and there was a few other people, but those were the key players here. You know, uh, the definition of, of that Gab gave was that, you know, no punishment of religious heretics, not with death, um, at least, or burning. Uh, 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 some version uh, of no, no, you can teach anyone without having a license from the state or the ruling class. And no judicial torture. That was those three things that liberalism includes, and very few people are for them. And actually, the show trials of the Soviet Union, again, that's never a point where, you know, this is where Chomsky would call it a right-wing problem. So, again, definitions are going to hang over this. But I do think we should have a discussion about, like, what exactly is our current side and can that thing be escaped here? Uh, Because one of the things I think the, the people on the ends miss, and I'm just using these terms technically, not morally, like most people, the far left and the far right. Uh, both think they're always losing. Um, um, now, I would say, and at the end of the day, this is a good thing. Uh, well, certain things is a good thing. Um, the reason I say this is the left, the far left will never get what it's want, and the far right will never get what it's wants. Uh, I was looking to the free man behind the wall, Peter Quines. I'm not sure how to say his last name, but you also get other reactions, like McIntyre, Moldbug, you know, the, the Mises crowd, and other groups one of the things that they tend to miss is the far left is not particularly happy about the current state of affairs here. Again, this goes back to term problems here. Um, but when, when like, they don't think they're winning, whether they are winning or not is a good question. They actually think the right's winning. but well, the right doesn't think it's winning here. So I will bring it to uh, just, just go how pessimistic it is. I've included three thinkers here. who I think all think liberalism can't be escaped and all them more or less well, Nick Land is the one that won't, but I included Mark Fisher, Nick Land, and Alexander Mac- McIntyre. Um, so I'm going to bring up Mark Fisher. Mark Fisher is interesting because he's he's taught at university here, and he's a big influence on Zizek, Michael Brooks, Ben Burgess, others. Mark Fisher is a great anti-capitalist and wrote a book called Capitalist Realism. My reading, it's free. It's available on Zero Books. It's free to anyone. Zizek's heavily quoted in it, and Zizek quotes it a lot. Um, Zizek likes to answer the question, um, "What would you do on day two after the revolution?" He says, "And no, there's no answer." And Mark Fisher agrees here. Um, by the way, Mark Fisher committed suicide. So if you think I'm misreading the book, um, if it, one's life is a kind of testament, you, you know, I, I, I think this would, the outcome is 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 uh, is at least pertinent information. Um, so again, what one has a society which is little liberal, democratic, and capitalist. As people like David Graeber point out is in order to have democracy, you're going to have to get rid of the capitalism part. Um, um, so so, and then what Fisher does is like a, a via negativity strategy. And, and Z, some of Zizek's best analysis is here. Capitalist realism takes the form of kind of super identification of capital. In fact, capitalist realism is very far from pre- precluding a certain anti-capitalism. After all, and as Zizek has provocatively pointed out, amp- anti-capitalism is widely disseminated in capitalism. Time after time, the villain in Hollywood films will turn out to be the evil corporation. Time after time, the, uh, the capitalist realism, this gestural anti-capitalism, actually reinforces it. Take um, the film Wall-E. This film shows on. Earth so despoiled that human beings are no longer capable of inhabiting it. We are left in no doubt that the consumer capitalism and corporations, or rather one mega corporation by and large, is responsible for this depredation. And when we see eventually the human beings in, in offward exile, they're infantile and obese, interacting via screen interfaces carried around in large motorized chairs and supplying and supping indeterminate slops from cups. Um, I'll stop there here. Again, I, I saw that movie as a kid. I was horrified by that movie. I was like on the right wing. Well, I don't know if you'd call me the right wing at that point, but you know you could also call that movie a fat phobia film too if you really want to get uh uh technical there. Um, but there's something there's something cartoonishly interesting about that. Like a, a a capitalism is so good it can sell make money. Now you now, now I know the Ronda Santos and other people will say Disney's a woke corporation. Is it or is it not? That's a good question here. Um, but but, from their point of view, it's not winning. Um And again, he, what's interesting about Fisher, he also makes fun of the universities here. I'm going to read um what he says about universities here. Teachers are now put under intolerable pressure to mediate between the post subjectivity of the late capitalist consumer and the demands of the disciplinary regime to pass examination. This is one way in which education, far being from some, some ivory tower, from, safe from the real world, is the engine room of the reproduction of social reality. Directly confronted the inconsistencies of the capitalist social field. Teachers are caught between being facilitator entertainers and discipline authoritarians. Teachers want to help students pass exams, they want us to be authority figures who tell them what to do. Um, When families buckling, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, when families buckling under the pressures of capitalism, which requires both parents to work, teachers now increasingly required to act as surrogate parents, instilling the most basic behavioral protocols in students and providing pastoral and emotional support for teenagers who are in some cases only minimally socialized. That's not a very good defense of universities. So, again, you get the far right who says universities are run by leftists, and then you get Mark Fisher, who's an influence on Zizek. He might be like the mold bug of the left. He himself who's taught in university, does not think these places like some wonderful uh, place here. Um, They think they're losing here. Um, So uh, now the other two thinkers I'll bring up, which I think is basically the sort of prophets of doom here. Well, doom for the anti-liberals is uh, McIntyre, who we discussed before. McIntyre has this great quote in after virtue. I've I've never gotten over it um, in the sense that he's you know, he says that once the Marxists become pessimists, Marxist socialism is at its core deeply optimistic, wherever thoroughgoing critique of capitalists and bourgeois and as it may be, is committed to asserting that within the society constituted by those institutions, all the human and material preconditions of a better future are being accumulated. Um, so, yeah, like that, we, we discussed this in a longer episode we did McIntyre versus Marx, and that's more attacking the left ones, but you can also equally attack the right ones on this ground. Like, you know, you run into these uh, sort of more far right people. So this is why I think liberalism won't be defeated by the right here, um, partly because they are liberals. And especially here in like Protestant Anglo societies, we have, we sort of reflexively liberal, as Sean Gabb argues here in, in that episode here. Now, again, you always get bogged down in terms here, but a lot of ideas and actually mold himself in the ultra Calvinism brings this up here. And he doesn't really provide a way out of it. Um, things like feminism, things like. Universal suffrage; those come from Christianity somewhat, um, for better or for worse. I, there's always there's always countervailing tensions within them. Uh, in a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to the meaning and usage of words Paul used. So the word definition problem goes all the way down. But my theory is it's inescapable here. Um, well, it's inescapable uh, definitely in the near and the medium term, if not the long term. Here, I think we're still living in some sort of liberal era, in so far as the left won't get its want, what it wants, neither will the right get what it's want. Um So that—that's my sort of opening treatise here against it, uh, against the uh, the revolutionaries. What do you make of my treatise here against this? Um, it, can it be escaped? Do we want to escape it? Is my treatise Swiften right here? To you know, is Mark Fisher's pessimism like? What do you make of that, Swithin?
0: I think we have to distinguish um, various aspects of the existing regime, whatever we want to call it. Um, I think a broad um, distinction one could make is between the economic and the cultural. Um, and it seems very much uh, to me that at least with the present regime, it's the uh, the economic uh, angle which cannot be directly touched. Um, you have um, the sort of uh, economies run by banks post 1971 with pure fiat money. That's the that that's kind of the current sort of economic paradigm um, um, that exists, and that cannot um, ca- cannot be really undone. And anything that's sort of tied in with that. Um, isn't really anything that's going to change. And that's a critique. And so uh, economically what the left and the far left or the far right want aren't going to get it because uh, that would upset far too many uh, interests at present to be able to um, get away from basically what you could refer to as welfare state capitalism or welfare state state capitalism or, 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 or any sort of very much it's very much sort of like the the mixed technocratic uh, economic uh, paradigm. So the, the quotes you made about teachers having to be entertainers and disciplinarians is entirely true. Um, that's the function of the uh, the education system predominantly. That um, well no we have to get all these standardized people being churned out, and then the teachers need to sort of fulfil multiple odd well entertainment because the kids don't want to be there so you've got to try and keep them there somehow by entertaining them but then also they've got to pass exams at the same time so it's an it's an entirely uh, accurate thing and so same thing with the my universities again the same thing uh, why do most people go to the universities well because they want to get credentialized why do you need to get credentialized so they can get a job that's not necessarily a bad thing but um, the whole um, the whole system is there to help perpetuate the current uh, economic paradigm. Um, as you were mentioning, say, uh, before we came on, that, that um, Zizek mentions that a lot of the like cultural left stuff, which the right would say that they are losing on, which it's pretty clear that they, they are. Um, I, I can't see how the right is really winning any cultural battles, unless, of course, you uh, include the potential uh, revocation of Roe v. Wade. But even then, that's not really a right-wing victory. A right-wing victory would be the opposite being imposed by the um, by the Supreme Court, which just means that each state can do what they want uh, with respect to abortion law. Um, but as I said, I mean, a lot of the, the uh, woke uh, stuff, the tranny stuff, and things doesn't really impact the, the economics uh, paradigm that much. The only thing actually that, w- well, the most um, cultural The biggest cultural change that could alter the current economic paradigm um, would, of course, be um, from the right, really, which is, well, women aren't really uh, part of the wage slave class anymore, because that would mean that corporations have significantly fewer workers to choose from, which, of course, wouldn't be good for business. Um, So I think on the current... So based on that, though, I think there's a reasonable amount of cultural change that could happen that uh, would be possibly changed. Although that would be largely determined by the uh, media organs, because basically whatever the media, uh, if there's enough media groups saying the same thing for long enough, people start believing it and thinking it's correct. Um, So I I think that's more plastic. I think changing the economic paradigm would take much more effort. Because it'll be much more bigger structural change, Um, but um, that's likely only to take place after a huge uh, additional crash, which of course could well be on its way. Um, But nobody wants to; no one is going to actively try to change an economic regime when a significant number of people are doing well in it. Only when enough people get sufficiently dissatisfied with it can can it then be altered. But on the cultural stuff and the liberal aspects um, of the the things that Sean Gabb said, um, you could argue you could argue on there. I mean, that the current regime is becoming more illiberal. Uh, Yes, it's true. You can say most things and get arrested, put in jail. But again, on the fringes, you can if you say things unpleasant, um, untractable things about the Jews and the Holocaust that can get you in jail in Britain. And now with uh, digital communication. Uh, acts in Britain, if you send tweets and stuff, you can get arrested for them. Um so it does seem certainly the case that typical liberal what well, you I mean traditionally considered liberal values, um, are um going down the wayside. And also junior Assange, you mentioned before is interesting to compare with Daniel Ellsberg. Daniel Ellsberg is defended by all the media class and then, you know, um is a hero. Julian Assange is uh, well, the Home Secretary away from being um, extradited to the US. Um, so on the sort of more traditional sort of liberal. Jul- co-
1: I'll be quick. Interrupt with a joke. Julian Assange is a Kremlin agent who wants to elect Trump. That's really what he is. LOL.
0: <laughs> well, yes, obviously.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, you could.
0: I suppose you could say that you know we we don't like Julian Assange because uh, Julian Assange isn't really part of the. Uh, the the um corporate media class and he's basically an enemy he's basically an economic enemy because wikileaks is giving people unredacted well not actually did redact it but first-hand information they could read up and didn't have to go through the uh, media organs and so therefore is a, a competitor um so i suppose though uh, as a general opening um when it comes to whether we can escape liberalism, it depends what it mean by liberalism obviously be sort of agreed-ish on there I think uh, but also I think um, what is the major driver of, of like um societal change and what people value the most it might you could interpret the things I've said so far that people care about economics more than anything else which isn't necessarily true um, so i I suppose that would be a an important um, an important matter although what I would say is it seems to be now that people are much more happy to uh, criticize lockdowns now that their wallets are being affected uh whereas two years ago oh no 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 can't kill granny gotta keep gotta keep granny uh alive for the cost of 30 million pounds it's fine it's all good because it wasn't their money but now it's going up in price and stuff well you know lockdowns aren't so good um so yeah those would be my general um initial thoughts on the topic
1: Interesting. I will say this, though. The, so what 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 drives the uh, far left and far right to be so uh, sad and pessimistic is the interesting question here. Uh, and to me, in a sense, this this episode is 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 moderate, not to sound like the sort of annoying um, uh, make this about myself here. But to sense this is sort of self-therapy here here insofar as I don't like. Should we be upset that liberalism can't be escaped here that that's that's sort of like the TLD version of TLDR version of things are things as bad as they say they are, uh, because both of the te- we use the technical terms think we're sort of heading towards some sort of apocalypse, you know, the far right thinks we're heading towards sort of demographic and some other apocalypse, and then people like Wolfers and Burgess and Fisher thinks that you know we're gonna be all underwater. Now you can argue whether on empirical technical grounds whether these apocalypses are going to come true, Um, 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 whether it's things are as bad as they say they are, or or you go fill Matt Ridley here and just say things are better than they ever were. Um, But you know, are things as bad as things? Like to be fair about the lockdowns here, and this is this, this is where I'll bring up Nick Land and some of the other people here. Nick Land is an interesting like reactionary here. He 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 wrote a he's part of like the dark enlightenment type group, um and he moved to uh he moved to China here. He said China's come from the future here. And to bring up Peter, China's is often cited as an anti-liberal power. It's cited by the tankies that it's cited by other. It's cited by Richard wolfer still defends the uh I, I don't if he um who whatever means the, the the social democrat Marxist guy who's been on Jimmy Dore and he's been on uh, uh a Ben Burgess show that guy and he's debated Gene. Gene Epstein, that guy I'm talking about. Um, He also praises the Chinese lockdown policy. To be fair, places like Britain, the United States, exited the lockdowns. You know, so in that regard, the conspiracy is over here. And, you know, we did get documents about the Iraq war. We are getting whether Fauci will get, you know, hung up by, you know, the Senate or whatever is a good question here. But to be fair, the lockdown has masks are gone from the airlines here. Um, um, but China still does its lockdown. Um, so if you supported it, then you should go ahead and like, you know, that's actually the policy going forward here. And, and and I've been going through the work, some of the work of Peter Zian here. And Peter Zian is rather skeptical. He's a very big China skeptic. Uh, uh, so, like, you know, if, if China is a society from the future, as Nick Land argues here, that it is in, in his book, sort of the, the society of accelerationism that. You know, and Alex Jones, by the way, agrees with with this thing, like all this sort of research, including like the covid research, which is how we probably got this virus out here. You know, and this is where Alex Jones talks about the animal human hybrid stuff that all occurs in China because everything because it's sort of like a sort of hyper like capitalist state capitalist society. Like here in Western Europe, United States, we have environmental and ethical regulations. And you could argue they're sort of phoning. We argue in certain regards we should get rid of them. Um, cause you know, uh, certain things aren't as bad as that thing. uh, and I, I, on those questions, I'm, I'm very uncertain and unclear here, but like the really bad, like those kind of, those, that kind of research happens over the air for a reason here, but the lockdowns still continue. Um, um, they're over again, you could, you could, you, could, you know, this is where, where Peter Quine was like, yeah. You know, you know, people like Mulbug early on praised the lockdown response as being like, oh, technocratic or whatever. Um, and I've always I I, I find that as, as And we move back to the wars and things like that. We at least get the documents that Julian Assange gets. So this is to me, this is liberalism for the win. Um, um, um in, in a sense, it's liberalism for the win here. Um so so the so the escapist route here, um, you know, the far right. Does not get to win the cultural battles, but it also does not lose. It also, sorry for being a little disjointed, jumping around here, but it also doesn't lose the economic things. And economics remains, like you know, when Mark Fisher was talking about in his essay how they have to be a parents, like how they have to be like surrogate parents here. He sounds like Roger Scruton or a cultural conservative. Uh, you know, that that that's that's a very interesting. That's a very interesting line that he doesn't want to be a parent. He wants the parents to be parents. Well, maybe a reason why that is, is women in the workforce, uh, Mark Fisher, and that like, you know, child raising has been offloaded to the state and the state's a poor parent here. Um, um, And actually, if you look at successful people, they tend to, or more productive people, they tend to have sort of more traditional-ish insofar as women being at home or at least grandmothers or other people watching them when they're growing up rather than, state daycares and things like that. Um so there is are interesting interludes in their analysis here that um uh 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 uh, uh that go there. So so what what do you make about the the pessimism point like um you know you do agree that the two fringes and I I I'm just using these terms technically not necessarily morally aren't very like sort of speak optimistic about you know the, our society here and he, he, uh, and, and uh, Ed Feather had an interesting piece in Mer- American Server have he these here. Um, we've sort of discussed this not directly, um, but there's a certain degree in which certain extremes so much just like their society, they might hate it. And this is what I think is the McIntyre point in his book after virtue here is that uh you know, like if if you hate your society enough, then in a sense you should want it to fail. Um or, or at least not. You know, not continue on, or, 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 you know, not root for it. And I'll be, I'll be fair to people like Nick Land, who move away, think that the United States is and Britain are just sort of stuck in like, you know, like the 1950s and the just or 1970s and can't get out of it. Um, But it seems like those areas are just going to collapse anyways. Um, So maybe, maybe, you know, the liberal democracies, liberal capitalist democracies, aren't as bad as the fringes say they are although I, I i do agree with their great critiques in a sense but what do you make of the pessimism points with them
0: well uh, what i would say is in general the uh well the far left and the far right you could argue depending how you want to use the term far right and um, do tend to hold um relatively similar although not identical reasonably similar economic views um i mean if you look at the self-described fascists um you know, you have a state-directed economy. Now, it, it it may have a different veneer. It might be elite-led. It might be, you know, self-consciously authoritarian and Catholic or something. Whereas uh, the uh, the far left would be, oh no, this is this is a worker-run operation, but it's still centralised, sort of Marxist-Leninism. In say the case of um, Caleb I mean, Practically speaking, you could say that they're they're, they're pretty damn similar, and also. A lot of the far left um, tanky types are actually relatively socially conservative in the same way that the far right are. So in a sense, you could say that uh, despite their very different modes of analysis, they're actually quite similar, which would explain the pessimism in both cases. Um, I'd say going on um, any, any group which thinks that the economic situation uh, of, of society is fundamentally wrong is definitely pessimistic because nothing has really changed i mean the biggest change that took place was um well recently was uh, 1945 to 1971 and then 71 afterwards uh, you, you have sort of more obviously sort of like keynesian um you know m- more nationalized firms and stuff and involvement of unions as well and then you get the complete financialization of the economy post-Nixon and particularly when you get to Reagan and Thatcher uh, that's the the major economic changes i described it in the past it was basically um the post-war period was sort of like uh, um communist russia uh and then early on and then 1979 onwards has basically been the new economic policy so you you've effectively had the same economic policy um since well, at least 40 years, and you could even say back to 45. And even then, actually, you could say the economic policy really hasn't changed that much, uh, even beforehand. I remember reading something from the Communist Party, uh, who were interested, they were pro-Brexit with the Communist Party, and uh, they were complaining how the Labour Party sold out to international cap- uh, finance capitalism back in about the 30s. Um, so, um, the um, the Communist Party clearly uh, thought that things have been wrong for a while. Um, so. I think economically, anybody who thinks either we should have the public ownership of the means of production or Ancapistan are going to be pessimistic because, as I say, we've got variants on welfare state capitalism. Um, On the cultural angle, I mean, um, I just can't see how anybody of the social left thinks that even if things are bad, and i could kind of see why you might think they're bad i mean so for instance um family guy we haven't watched for ages you could argue in certain respects is quite conservative in a way which is you might think is kind of odd but the the way in which you know they always get back together at the end etc and look at this family its a bit dysfunctional but it's kind of the best they've got you could say is some sort of somewhat um conservative um underlies of conservatism in social in certain senses um, so I could see that but I, I can't see how the, the social left don't think that things are getting better um, although that said they do seem to think that in the terms of the, some of the feminists and go oh no 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 girls and women are more oppressed than they were in the 1950s except they don't actually give a date but they kind of give that impression oh no misogyny is everywhere so there are certain respects that they, they would complain um, so, but obviously the right clearly I think is more justified when it comes to, um, um, cultural on one just thing at the moment I on Disney, Disney, um, was considered by well early on to be quite a revolutionary organization, not very conservative in a sense. Well, I, I, I say that insofar as, um, Salvador Dali, uh, when he came to America said he wanted to work with the three great surrealists of our time. One was Cecil B. DeMille, who directed the Ten Commandments, I can't remember who the other one was. And the, and the and the other guy was Walt Disney. Now, I haven't known surrealism to be, to be considered somewhat conservative. So it might just be the fact that um, the conservatives aren't really thoroughgoingly thought- conservative enough to realize that Disney may have been somewhat revolutionary from the beginning. Um, make of that what you will.
1: I'm going to betray, I'm, I'm going to totally dox myself, I'm going to betray some of my bourgeois probably upper middle class background here but but as far as disney is concerned i'm going to bring up disney world as a kid and even as a younger adult you know we used to go there we, st- well, we haven't been there since covid but um and it's gotten more expensive but disney like like this is this is where i think the far right sort of attack on corporate capitalism um gets a bit dodgy and oikophobic at times um, um disney is where it is i think um, um now it it did get I sort of did. We haven't. Uh, we haven't. Re- yeah, we did release the episode. We did one on a, a wealth inequality. Uh, Disney is where it is, partly because of IP, partly because of other factors. But Disney was revolutionary. Disney himself, Disney families, the first generation of the dynasty, um, and the theme parks as well. Um, you know, they're great theme parks. You can sort of say you can take sort of this sort of. A position of like you know anything uh sort of like a parody position like anything of fun is 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 bad here which uh but but like if you want to go like i don't think there's anything wrong with a ride like test track or space mountain you know it's like a roller coaster inside of a movie theater that's what you think of a lot of these rides that they've built i mean they're they're innovative um they're well maintained uh and, and bob murphy will defend disney world as what in Captain at times would look like um here. Um so I do think I do think I defend, you know, again, now you could say I'm just a bootlicker for Disney here. I, I don't I don't think I'm necessarily, you know, I think Disney should lose its copyright for Mickey Mouse. I think it should lose all its, you know, I I you know, it should be it shouldn't get any tax rights from Florida, Florida as well. I agree. I agree. But then again, you know, this this is this sort is of like, you know, what is to be done here and so forth. And then it's worth pointing out like that Mark Fisher like so when the right sees Disney or other corporations uh, making like when, when you have like like when you have Netflix making documentaries about slums, there's big and they're just, you know, and Netflix is in itself like a sort of capitalist organization that, you know, or Amazon is posting BLM while not allowing its its labor unions. The far left does not view those as wins. They view them as cultural tokens. The people, the the Fishers and the Burgesses and others and the tankies as well. Um, um, so I do, I do want to push back. I do think that, you know, Disney and those other, they're, 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 they're on top for a reason here. Uh, 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 they're, 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 you know, like, you know, if you go to, Ch- like, if you go to China before the lockdowns, you know, you know, I had some experience there and, um, you know, a lot of the girls, like if they, if they have English names, they'll call them Elsa. And the reason they'll call them Elsa is because of the Disney movie Frozen, <laughs> you know, um, so there's, and you know, Harry Potter is very popular there too. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of like Western culture here is gone everywhere. You can hate that. You can like that. Um, you can, I'm not sure if that's a win or a loss for the far teens, but it's definitely a win for the center here. It's definitely a win for like the sort of Randy and Minarchist types, the Christopher Hitchens types, as well as like not the, not the straight out but the, the the cultural left is here it's definitely a win uh, for them um, um you know like the people that write for washington post and 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 and, and that class of 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 persons there um, so I, I i do think they are tra- i think you're, it's interesting you brought it up there but i do think they are trans they are a transformative company in that respect they sort of made florida a vacation destination you could also say the air conditioner made florida um but that, that that's somewhat of a, a long aside here i want to go back If you want to comment on that, I want to go back to the term. uh, I want to go back to the term liberalism here. And Swithin, you've been, you've been, I wouldn't say a stickler, but you could say that. And I say this with with a big smile. Um, It seems like, it seems like terms could just be the whole issue here. Um, uh, We've done an episode with Rick's story, or does grammar exist here? And term debates have long been a problem throughout. I'd say the English throughout English history, can I say the least, you know, especially in recent history, like, you know, the whole feminism debate in Christianity seems to hinge on on like the like the meaning context of Paul's use of the word authority and and what does the church mean? Um, and it, Like like word disputes, word disputes uh, are. Are are everywhere and like you know like the free speech debate. Well, we believe in free speech. We just believe in consequences or something like that. You get that you get that kind. So with a word like liberal, um, I I do like does it have any use? I might ask within um before before we continue there. I uh, love my question. Does a word like liberal or neoliberal have a use? Is it merely pejorative? You know, there's a lot of synonyms like late capitalism. McIntyre uses the term late capitalism. Um, um, because McIntyre is a closeted Marxist, which is fine. Um, St. John was the Scruton, I think, uses that term as well. Like, what what, what about words here? And if you have any comments about Disney and the corporations, what do you make of that, Um
0: Well, I do think they do have some use. Uh, it's got to be careful how you use them. I suppose of any of them, I think neoliberal um, is kind of like the least useful because – well, I suppose I say that just because the people who use the term are ones who somehow think we're in sort of well, actually just like one degree away from Ankapistan, And somehow, uh, you know, we've we, we got this wildcat capitalism. It's like, what? Like that, that bears no resemblance to reality in any way, shape or form. Um, liberalism in general, I think, has I mean, the, the problem with liberalism, in a sense. You've kind of got like the. um The classical and sort of like modern uh, liberalism. I mean, I I tried to come up with what I thought were the underlying aspects of liberalism, um, which I will uh, say here: Um, the the idea of in liberalism that the family and social like groupings don't really exist. It's kind of like uh, there's methodological individualism and basically ontological individualism. Only individuals exist. Individuals have rights and only individuals have rights. Uh, Social life is basically contractarian in nature, explicitly or implicitly. Uh, Fourthly, natural law doesn't exist. If you're a liberal you have a whole divine command theory or you're an amoralist. Uh, Those um, efficient, sorry, uh, formal final causation doesn't exist. Uh, Only um, material and efficient causation exist. Fifthly, the the liberal believes that the whole world should be liberal. It's universalist in that sense, which essentially Christianity is as well in some respects. And lastly, this isn't always true, but I think largely true, because the liberal thinks the whole world should be liberal, um, it will support centralization if it thinks it will, uh, at least at this time or for the foreseeable future, have liberal effects. Um, And I think that captures various different uh, modes of uh liberalism um so I, I i do think liberalism has uh it is a very slippery term um as many terms are but i, I, I do think liberalism is somewhat meaningful although in most uses of the term it it, it, it tends not to be back to D- disney briefly um i think it's interesting with liberalism in, in general and we haven't really got to sort of like the individual self-expression and sort of family issues when it comes to liberalism um is that um to what extent does technology make society liberal does the fact that people can move around mean that people now end up being more individual in the way they act historically they'd have to operate within a thick sort of social culture uh and you know there wasn't really much way out of it and they were just existed in it Whereas now you have to consciously choose to do things, and now you can consciously do things. And go well, I get paid more if I move a few hundred miles away, so I will. Um, and so that sort of unleashes. Well, effectively, you could argue that at least modern technology is giving each individual person more power uh, insofar as they are able to. Well, obviously not all of them, in a sense, uh, because they may not earn as much comparatively. As you have to nuanced that, but certainly they are much more mobile. Um, which I think is crucial for uh, liberalism. And then related to that with uh, entertainment. I mean, you don't need to leave the house for entertainment anymore, uh, which you could say is inherently sort of liberalizing because it's it's about your individual tastes and preferences rather than enough people who can fill out a theatre or enough people who can actually play reasonably well for a concert because you just listen to whatever you want to. Um, And that actually goes back to to Disney. what I would say is, in a technical sense, I do think Disney have produced good art. They have some, not it's not brilliant, but it's decent. I mean, you can see why it's popular. I mean, a lot of the um, the social the the woke stuff they're putting in now, in a sense, well, it can actually be done artfully, but they it, it, it seem to be going to propagandizing mode. I mean, you can do, you can have um, a well constructed film. I mean, so for instance, a film I like, um, it's an Argentinian film actually, um, Secrets in the Eyes. You could argue basically it's a pro adultery film, uh, but it doesn't bash you over the head with it and actually fits artfully with the entirety of the film. Um, and so you can do that and it still kind of be technically good. And I think that's why a lot of it is popular. And also, um, a lot of these other countries don't have the resources to make the things that Hollywood makes. Um, so I, like in China, for instance, uh, the Chinese love stupid action films, which is why America produces a lot of them these days because the Chinese markets massive. Um, and so was like McDonald's and a lot of the American culture I mean it, it, they I wouldn't say they're great to a large extent, but they certainly fulfill a need, and they are you know technically proficient. Now, obviously, this is predicated on being able to distinguish kind of like technique uh, and technical proficiency. And artistic merits uh, separate in certain respects from ideology and, and theme um but i think uh on like a technical level the american organizations relative to any ones that currently exist now of course you could say other ones would exist in other scenarios which i would probably agree but they kind of tend to do pretty well um and, and of course the fact that most people around the world english <sighs> hmm. be careful i don't know if english is the most spoken second language in the world uh but it's probably close uh, with geographical spread and things um so um i wouldn't say that the american organizations are bad and incompetent they're kind of to our extent bad but competent enough compared to the rest of the competition i think that would be a fair assessment of disney and other sort of corporate entities
1: I'll bring up the movie Wall-E here again because Wall-E, you know, on on the one level, Mark Fisher is correct that that Disney make money off Wall-E by selling a dystopia, like you know, or other movies like The Hunger Games. Other there's other sort of these sort of ostensibly, well, y- you can try to read different messages in them, but are ostensibly culturally woke messages. You know, Elise, there's some other big, bo- Elysium, there's other big box Hollywood films that are sort of, you know, essentially left wing. Okay. But you know, it's but on the but the structure of the organization making them um is right wing. Now I know there's a the quote that they'll sell to the I think Lenny has that it'll sell will sell the rope we hang the capitalist with with uh, on it. Um so maybe there is that that aspect of play. Um but for all the, the quote unquote woke culture stuff, at the end of the day, there were corporate capitalists and the people like the fisherites don't think that's a new term, um, don't think um and the Grebarians don't think that capitalism could exist without the state or in its current form, with the Rothbardians at times partly agree with them here. This is go back to the term deception here. So what we're left with is does 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 Disney and McDonald's and those things, is that what is that the colloquial definition of of capitalism here? I would say, yeah, in a sense, it is the colloquial definition of capitalism or liberalism. Um, um now, I don't see uh enough I don't think I don't think it's as I don't think it's as, as as um um bad. Disney is Disney and these corporations are very good at hitting the median consumer, in my opinion. I think that's their that's their great strength. That's the sort of strength that like like they're they're popular almost they can be popular almost everywhere here. Um and then and again you get this odd problem that shows up where places like Cuba and North Korea, speaking of societies that have escaped. There's sort of liberal tentacles here. Like North Korea, they don't listen to K-pop or things like that. Um, You know, like, like, so in a sense, North Korea has escaped liberalism. But I would argue that's a kind of parody form of a left-wing government. Um, um, I'm not saying it's not a genuine government. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be free to do that experiment here. Um, But to go back to Gab's definition here, I really... You know, if, if given the opportunity to leave, how many North Koreans would stay there? If Now, this goes into sort of platonic ideas about consent and like the cave and so to speak, you know, which, you know, liberalism as one for parts definition was about a uh, kind of methodological individualism here. The sort of more communitarian would say, well, you need a sort of you need a sort of like identity that's lodged within the group to even make a decision like a family or like a nation state um, that the liberals sort of. Dissolve here. Todd Lewis also made that point with respect to Sean Gabb here. Um, um, so Sean Gabb would just say, plenty of orders deserve to be hauled out. And if Disney is this, this thing that's doing the hollowing out, um, then so be it. Vosh, interestingly, you know, he's like a YouTuber, probably sponsored by the U.S. government indirectly. Um, um, he says that like the, the the U.S. bases are actually just a vestigial element. We should just we should just send weapons abroad and send pop culture consumer culture abroad. We should just actually get rid of the aircraft carriers. He said this one on a debate with uh, Destiny or somebody else. Uh, I thought that was an interesting sort of like, you know, very uh, honest, very clear. Like if you really want to send, if you really want to spread American culture, Iraq and Afghanistan is actually the worst way to do it. The better way to do it is just to have like broadcast Disney movies around the world or broadcast, you know, uh, uh, rock and roll things like that, like the Beatles or things like that. Um, um, Oh, by the way, Roger Scruton likes the Beatles, from my understanding. Um, um, So so that that's my point there. I I think the the, I think the culture, which is often associated with capitalism, the McDonald's, the Disney and so forth. The Rothbardians are technically correct that it's not pure capitalists, but the left calls it that. Um, But what can be done here? The same thing applies to democracy here. And this is again a point which I think, who shows up with if you and Keith got made fun of Walter Block somewhat for calling Joe Biden a socialist. Here, I was like, well, I know what I know what Biden means, and I actually think that in a sense it's true. Um, in a sense, it's in the sense that Joe Biden is a socialist. But there's another sense where Joe Biden is not a socialist at all. Just ask is Ben Burgess or Jimmy Dore or 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 the late Mark Fisher would they be happy with Joe Biden? No, of course not. They view him as a sellout to capital. Now, again, is that pure capital? So, so democracy doesn't technically work. We don't really have democracy. We had this mold bug versus Chompsy hypothetical debate here. And one of the points why I would make is that, that democracy doesn't really exist in the Western world. But, in a, but this goes back in a sense, it exists in the Western world. In a sense, we, you know, and like, you know, leaders do justify. We have public opinion polls. I don't know if North Korea does. Um, um, but North Korea is a kind of parody. Those kind of projects could happen. Um, um, those kind of projects could happen. But could, but 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 if enough people, would they want to be there? And I, you know, that's a kind of like that's a kind of like very liberal question here. You know, sometimes like maybe 40 years ago, people sometimes would ask that question about the Amish. Interestingly enough, the Amish the outside opinions and the Amish is fairly high. Amish, Mennonites, Hutterites, but maybe 40 years ago, you could find people saying, like, you know, you could find documents about people who sort of escaped the Amish in the same way that people escape North Korea. Um, so, so you know, or people escape Scientology or things like that. So some of the sort of religious groups of the right will point to as sort of exemplars of what they want society to be. Um, you know, it's it's it, it, it's not it's it's very unclear here. But I do think certain aspects of liberalism are very fairly well entrenched here. And speaking of Disney, it targets the sort of medium consumer. I think liberalism remains targeting the medium consumer. Now, I do agree with people like Talib that the tyranny of the like a certain minority does in a way drive culture. But it, it's, still, it's still the medium thing consists of Disney. And to be fair, many of the left wing people are basically bourgeois married. That's a Charles Murray's point. Um, um, that like, you know, Ben Burgess married Mark Fisher, like the people who are happy and productive tend to be, you know, married to parents with some kids or childless and just works jobs. They like. Um, now, Mark Fisher is honest and thinks that universities are just, uh, you know, factories in that way, which is true, but that's my point here. I'm starting to wrap it up here. So what do you make of my final, not the final comments? We're about 45 minutes in here. What do you make of those comments with him?
0: Well, I, I I think you're 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 broadly correct. I think it um we are having a situation where you're sort of playing to the median uh consumer. Uh although as I as, as I indicated before, I think the intent was to change the median consumer. Uh in, in a sense. Um I mean Gail Mopin will go with this and Kerry Bolton does as well. You know, the, the influence on culture by the funding of say the CIA, Gloria Steinem um very and then also with the uh the ultra capitalist class in the in the non-profit uh foundations such as the Ford Foundation etc um uh, funding uh, radical student groups etc um it is certainly the case that well I, I I suppose you could say this is a bland take it it's that um, running a state like North Korea is kind of hard work Much better to people not realize they're in a surveillance state and not realize that they have they're in um, in chains and uh, to think that they're happy and productive, that they will. Oh, how was was that quote from um, the World Economic Forum? Oh, I will own nothing. um, I won't own anything or anything, but I'll be happy. Um, Yeah, I I think that's the, the way the way it's kind of gone and um and also i think they've realized that sort of direct state central planning doesn't work and i think that was one of the reasons for the economic change in the 70s and 80s and also as well i think they probably realized that trade unions were a problem uh because everyone because trade unions lose their power significantly from the sort of 1980s onwards although that is to some extent to do with deindustrialization, which of course you could argue was was deliberate in some respects to, to smash the power of the unions um, who? Because because one thing they were always anti-immigration, which of course is not good for the bottom line of um of large corporations. Um, so I I I do think yes, the societies these days, you know, that they they do focus on the individual consumer. I think that's because they've realised that that's the way they can make money in uh in this kind of, it with a, a technological society. Well that was true historically is another question but I think with the technological society and mobility I think that's, I think they've sort of um, gravitated that as the model of the best way of, of 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 making as much money as possible. And I think that's why that's 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 kind of stayed. Uh, and and also um, you know, Kerry Bolton claims that some of the Americans supported uh, Pol Pot because uh, they thought it was a good way of getting any feudalism Uh, And getting more technological and sort of advanced society. And then we get Western capital to make some money on the um, Cambodians. Um, So, um, uh, yeah, I I think that's the reason why a broad sense of liberalism exists is because it's profitable uh, for various classes. I think that's the main reason why it it, it exists. Uh, That would be my overall point.
1: Yeah, but still by being profitable. It's still in a sense. capitalist. Now again, whether you know the pure capitalist like a Rothbard, or Mises would say is, it's 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 capitalist is a good question. Um, but you know, I think I think I think terms terms the ambiguity around terms is a central issue here. Um, um, that Sorry, that I, central-
0: I, I do think they're selling people things. I think it's interesting that the whole Wally thing is like we're going to sell we're going to sell anti capitalism to them in a capitalist mode. It, it, it's it's certainly true. Uh, and I think they just don't care because they think it'll make them it, make money. Um, and I don't think they think that anything they're doing is fundamentally going to undermine. Um, un- undermine. And if anything, you could argue that um, popping on all the environmental stuff uh, is a way of increasing control. Anyway, I suppose I maybe go that way. That doesn't mean that the people writing it think that. It just maybe the people who are funding them do. I mean, um, I mean, again, there's there's lots of, um, involved, well, and this is slightly different, but the CIA funding uh, Hollywood, basically to create pro-war movies, uh, amongst other things. Um, so you, you, you can go that way. But yeah, you're buying and selling things as nominal um, private property titles. Um, but it's not um, in that sense. So it's clearly not Marxist-Leninist in that sense. Um, so, but. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's sort of capitalistic. Yeah, I, I would agree with that.
1: Uh, this is my final comment here. A little bit of a question, a little bit of comment here. Um, can, it be a, can it be a quote, with the episode of the question here, can it be escaped? And I'd say not unless some breakthrough technology comes that changes uh, things. So that that's why I brought Nick Landon here because he was from the left from my understanding. He's also friends with Mark Fisher, which is an interesting degrees of game separation here. Like, you know, what's the difference between Moldbug and, and, and um, uh, Ben Burgess, it's like one. because like Nick Land knew uh, uh, Mark Fisher. Mark Fisher, you know, has influenced the left a lot from his book, Capitalist Realists, here. Uh, 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 so, so technology will be the thing that will break through or not break through here. And if it doesn't break through, if we just sort of just have, you know, maybe slightly updated versions of cell phones, slightly updated versions of computers and things like that but nothing like a substantial shift. Um, um, I think, I think, I think liberalism is fairly well secure. It doesn't make everyone happy. Well, it doesn't make the fringes happy, but doesn't see. That's the interesting part here. If you, if you spend any time in a, a, a like on the outside in a circle, reading or watching or listening to their content, um, um, uh, you know, none of them are particularly happy. Like, you know, you, like, that, that's thats the funny thing is, is, like, they don't view the social victories as victories. Um, and then when you really press them on, like, an issue like abortion or so, so forth, you get these sort of progressive Christians who think that, like, well, that's because of the family structure breakdown and economic problems, um, you know, that people could want, you know. So, like, even on those issues, it's not entirely clear both sides yell at each other a lot, which I, I mean, I'm not I'm not, I'm not one of these civil people that want everyone to be civil. Like, that's not. Maybe not, I don't want war necessarily. I don't know, but you know, it, it's um there's a lot of bluster, there's a lot of pessimism here. Um, can it be escaped? I I I'd say it's it's fairly well secure. And if you take some of Peter Zian's readings of like China and Russia, those societies are very largely dependent on the U.S. Navy backing free trade, and they say that's an obscure point. Well, if that goes away, then then when people like Nick Land talk about like China being some Exemplar of the future, uh, uh, you know. Well, that uh, you know, it, they're dependent on the old order, the old, we'll call it the Anshan regime, and the Anshan regime, in my term, equals, you know, the current existing Western powers. Um, um, that world seems like it still has a lot of punch left in it, um, 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 and it still sort of delivers, you know, good value. It still delivers, it doesn't deliver everyone what they want, but it doesn't, it, it keeps the things that they truly hate. You're, you brought up a point about censorship here. Um, um, to be fair, you know, like, like sometimes when people talk about Twitter and getting banned from Twitter, I think either that's the, you know, how, how relevant is that? Now they did go after other services and so forth. Um, but, you know, sometimes on these issues of censorship, you know, I, I, I can be pushed both ways on this on this question where we on the one hand, I don't think it's I don't think it's as bad as they say it is. It's sort of understated um, as, as people talk about censorship, because in a sense we can still talk about there's no documents redacted. If there, it's out there, it's not like it's illegal for you to read them, although the although the New Zealand government did make a certain manifesto illegal. I won't mention it. Um, but but those things have not happened. And you can always like this is where I this is where the Internet as a technology just wins. I mean, I think this is a lot of the problem with the right wing Catholic reactionaries. Like the printing press poses, you could argue, is a thing that grew the Protestant Reformation, not necessarily ideas. Um. So, no, to go back to the technology point here, which is my final point, I think under this current te- technological paradigm, it's fairly strong. And chances are, if there is breakthrough technology, chances are it will be created in 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 the united states or one of its sort of allies satellites and if it's in one of its allies satellites you know the it'll be controlled by the united states or indirectly and then it'll still have a huge advantage which still you know liberal you know the current order the ancien regime for the win seems fairly secure here what do you make of my final comments with and thanks for doing this i think this is an interesting episode
0: I would, I would agree with technology. I, I think that's one of the major points. I think if we keep the current level of technology in society, a broad form of liberalism as such, if we describe it so far, is probably likely to exist. Uh, obviously, if there's a collapse, then maybe not. And then, of course, technology could liberate us from sort of the liberal paradigm to some extent. Um, although I suppose in that sense, it would not. I mean, in a sense, you could argue that the, the, the existence of the Amish is because liberalism allows them to exist. Uh, and they only exist insofar as, as like a parasite, in a sense. Uh, they they live off, they free ride. Free free ride is probably a, a better term than parasite. Um, so, yeah, I, I I do think technology is key here i just now i thank everyone for listening if you enjoy this podcast please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on popping on youtube the more subscribers we get the higher we get in the search rankings and more people can access this material and if you'd like to contact the show for any reason please contact us at show at gmail.com that's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com